Welcome to The Oaks. We're so excited to worship with you. Our service begins in just a few moments, and here's some info that you will want to know. If you're a new friend joining us today, whether online or in person, we're thankful you're here. Say hello in the chat box or find a welcome card like this in the back of the seats in our gathering space. We would love it if you would fill out the back side of the card and bring it to our welcome bar or reply to the message you will receive in your DMs. These are ways we can stay connected with you. Our service today will include singing, praying, and learning from God's Word. We have candles that you can light in the front if you need a moment of intentional prayer. You can also use a flame emoji in the chat box and one of our team members will pray for you. We also have Bibles in the back left corner of our gathering space. Feel free to take one. And for the worship, you can sit, you can stand, or you can dance. Lift your hands in any other way or any other posture that suits your moment. We get to make a joyful noise for the Lord because He is among us. One way that we worship is by committing a portion of our finances so that our community experiences and falls in love with Jesus. If you made a commitment to worship in this fashion, our worship time is the perfect opportunity for you to visit our giving stations. There's one in the back of the gathering space, or if you're an online family, you can text to give, or you can visit our online giving platform called Tidely. The link is in the video above. If you're a new friend, please don't feel obligated to participate. We believe this act of worship is how we got to meet with you. So please grab your coffee, visit the restrooms, and join us in just a moment. It's going to be an amazing day at the Oaks. Good morning, everyone. Please stand with us as we join together in worship.
Take me back to the garden Lead me back to the moment I heard your voice Take me back to communion Lead me back to the moment I saw your face And it was all so simple It was easy to
so much for just being a friend to us and for allowing us to just be in relationship with you every day and to talk to you every day just as we would any other friend. And God, I pray that as we sing that you can have our hearts, God, that we would make that a proclamation and we would make that something that we are making happen. And God, please come into our hearts and just infiltrate every part of it, the good and the bad, so that we can see a change in ourselves and that that change can be seen.
your heart. Something that if you've been here at the Oaks for a while, you know that Pastor Nicole does not mind asking you that. And it's a tough question. It's a probing question because that's what God wants to know. How is your heart in relation to him? How is your heart regarding others? Are you loving God and loving people? The two greatest commandments. So when he says, guard your heart, I want you to know that God is not judging your heart. He knows your heart. But he is saying the same thing that he said to Adam and Eve years ago. Where are you? Where's your heart? How is your heart? What are you hiding from me? Because I came to seek and to save that which is lost. And whatever that means in your life today, just ask that you give it all to him. Don't leave any rooms or corridors closed off to him, but allow him to come in and move in such a way that your life is changed forever. Because God has this great desire to be connected with you, to be connected with us, for us to know him as our father, to be able to sit at his feet and just look up at him in amazement of all the things that he does. So I'm going to ask the band if you guys will go back into that. And if you would just join from the depths of your heart.
with the invitation to just lay all of our burdens at your feet. And Father, from the depths of our soul, from our very being, we say, you got it. You can have our heart. Everything. God, we just ask that you would take it in this moment that we would be able to connect with you, not just today, but each day, and that we would be able to hear your voice and be connected to your love. So we welcome you in this place. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, and ask you to move and speak in any way that you want to stir us with a greater love for you and for all mankind that we would hear you say, well done, good and faithful. Thank you, Father. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Good morning. How are you all today? Everybody excited to be here? It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. I'm thankful to see a few more faces that we've been um, seeing that have been tuning in virtually. So uh, today we are in our second week in our Sermon on the Mount. Can you turn me down just a little bit, please? Hearing my head rattle. That ain't a good thing today. Um, So we're going to be in our second week in our Sermon on the Mount series, and the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' most 
famous sermon, and it's found in Matthew um, chapters 5 through 7, and it starts with these very simple words. It says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, One day he saw the crowds gathering, so Jesus went up on the mountainside, and he sat down, and his disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. And what we hope to do during the next several weeks is to simply invite you to gather around, and whether it's at a table or it's in a seat, um, we just want you to sit with Jesus. We're not asking you to get up and run a marathon in the middle of summer. We're asking you to spend the summer on the mount sitting with Jesus. Sound doable? Even on hot days? So what do, you, do you think that um, if you set a table so that you could encounter Jesus, you think you would need maybe some water to drink while you had a conversation, talking back and forth? use some water, right? Um, also, you, you may notice in your seats that there are some notebooks, and I forgot to talk about these last week. Imagine that. I forgot something. So um, these are for you all to take notes, um, to use every day in your everyday life, because your time on the mount doesn't just have to be on Sundays, right? God can talk to you like while you're driving down the road. I wouldn't recommend that you try and write in your notebook while you're driving down the road. But God may talk to you while you're driving down the road. And you could be um, like me and have a pen handy. And when you hit a stoplight, you know, you just flip it open and write a few quick words that hopefully you can decipher when you get there. But I want to encourage you to let this be a time where you not only hear it, but you actually write it down. It's known that if we write stuff down, we absorb it better. It doesn't go in one ear and out the other. So uh, you should have a notebook um, that you're free to use. And also there's a sheet in the notebook that looks something like this. And what we hope that you will do is that you will share these moments. John Wesley said that every time we encounter God, we change. Not sometimes when we encounter God, we could change. He said every time you encounter God, you leave different. And so what we want to do is we want to, number one, hold you accountable. Because what... If you know that you're supposed to change and you do nothing, what does the Bible say that is? It says it's sin. So we want to hold you accountable that if you encounter change, you should follow through with it. But we also want to celebrate with you. Because every time we grow, that's a moment where we can see that God is moving. So let's celebrate. So if God does something amazing today, I would love for you to write it down on this paper. Looks like this. Bring it up here. We got this nice little basket here. It even says the oaks on it, like it belongs here or something like that. Crazy. So you can just write it down, rip it off, put it in the basket. And then as a team, we'll be celebrating that. It won't be something that we share publicly. Did you know that Sally just gave up? Blah, blah, blah. That's not our, that's not our MO here. Um, but we want to celebrate with you that when God speaks, because he speaks clearly. This week, he talked to me about hunger and thirsting for righteousness with an umbrella. How many times do you think that he will talk to you about a meal with an umbrella? It was a crazy week, but how many of us needed an umbrella this week? Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> when Moses encountered God on the mountain, do you know what happened to him when he came down off the mountain? Scriptures tell us that he had to wear a veil because his face radiated so much. Job had this moment where he's actually talking with God. He's asking him questions. He probably had his little notebook handy and his water, and he's sitting down talking to God. That's how I picture it. And um, God is um, not being like, well, Job, 
let me tell you real nicely. I know that's what you think, but that's not really how it is. He's like, where were you when I threw all the water in the ocean? And Job is like, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus isn't here. Wait a minute. I don't know what's going on. Like, he's in this moment. He's like, what? A, I'm terrified. But in that moment, Job said, my ears had heard from you. This is in Job 42, 5. It said, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. That's what I hope that we can encounter as we spend this time on the mountain with Jesus. We're talking about the Beatitudes because this is where Jesus started in his greatest sermon. And the Beatitudes we talked about last week are, um, the way you can think about this is, when I go all in with Jesus... This isn't what I do to encounter Jesus, but this is what the byproduct is. This is what I become. It's an attitude that I be, a be attitude. Make sense? Clear as mud? <laughs> Sound crazy? So this is the truth, that you can't do anything to make Jesus love you. Did you know that? Elijah, did you know that you can't do anything to be Jesus' favorite? You just are his favorite. Inside joke there. But we all get to encounter the great love of Jesus, not because of anything we've done, but just because he simply put breath in our lungs and he brought us to life. He said, I love you. I want you to thrive. And I want you to thrive so much that I would come and live and try and show you how to do this thing called the kingdom. So that you can encounter the fullest of life. So you can thrive. Anybody tired of just getting by? Walking through life without an umbrella in a rainy season? Ready to walk through with a great umbrella? Well, that's uh, sort of what we're going to be talking about today. So today we're going to jump into a few scriptures. We're talking about God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. But before we jump into God's word, I want to um, ask a question and then we're going to play a game. Sound fun? So how many of you or who of you loves it when it's your choice to pick dinner for the night? Of course, Jeremiah, you love it. You are the foodie of foodies. You know where all the good stuff is. Now, in our case, if we, if we let Mark pick, we are going to... Welcome to Bo's. <laughs> if you let Lainey pick, we're having Sushi. But if the rest of us, the rest of the five or six of us, if Brandon is around, if we all get in the van, we are driving in a circle and we have no clue where we are going because nobody can agree. We play the not it game, you know, <laughs> nose goes, not it. Nobody wants to choose. Nobody wants to make a decision. And so I thought that we could play would you rather with food to get our taste buds moving as we got ready to talk about hunger and thirsting for righteousness. So our team came up with these, so if they're terrible or amazing, you can blame or celebrate them. So would you rather, for Sunday dinner, have fruity pebbles or grits? Okay. <laughs> would you rather have chitterlings or beef livers? That's a, I think that's a divided room. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> um, 
Would you rather have Brussels sprouts or lima beans? Oh, another, another escargot or ghost peppers? <laughs> Woohoo! We we the pepper crew. Crickets or spiders? Okay. I hope that we're having some great commentary on our feed. <laughs> um, we just learned about this the other night while we were having an amazing dinner. Um, would you rather have for after Sunday lunch um, boar's head cheese or cow tongue? Hog's head. Ah! <laughs> well, anybody want hog's head cheese? Amen. Two in the room. That is not, that is not a celebratory win. <laughs> Would you rather have pickled peaches or pickled eggs? <laughs> I am not coming to any of y'all's buffet. <laughs> Would you all rather have octopus or shrimp? <sighs> Okay, this is the one that I want you each to sit on the edge of your seat for. Can everybody set up? Make sure you're listening really well. For, for Sunday lunch, right after we leave church, would you rather die or eat another human? <laughs> oh, you could season it all real well there, Frank. So many selections. <laughs> As our team was um, actually coming up with this, the craziest thing was like when that when that would you rather came through, I was like, oh my gosh, uh, what? And then it was like, but won't it make us think about what we hunger and thirst for? Won't it make us really think about what we do in our lives? I mean, do ghost peppers or hogshead cheese? I saw a picture of that. Oh, my gosh. Ugh. Do, do those even really matter? We all have things that we'd rather eat or not eat, right? And we all have things that we'd rather do or not do. Some of us could never fathom taking somebody else's life so that we could eat. But they made movies about it, so you know it must be real life. Really? Right? No? Not really? Okay. <laughs> but it makes us stop and think. If those are your two options, to become a cannibal after church or to take one for the team, which posture do you think that your body would take? Are you preparing the, the, the smoker and the seasonings? Or are you confessing your sin and being prepared to meet your maker? crazy. Well, before we dive into God's word, let's uh, use this time to um, pray for the Holy Spirit to get our hearts right like we do every week. So will you all pray with me? Holy Spirit, I give you permission in this moment to have your way in me today, to make me aware to see my true hunger. I give you permission to move in my mind, changing how I think, to move in my heart, changing how I live and love and to move in my hands and feet, calling me to action. Amen. The teaching today could be as thought-provoking as that question that we just wrestled with. Um, and what I hope is that our eyes will be open to what we really hunger for. Because some of us don't even know what our appetites are for, if we're being real. I mean, we are out here eating like, how many of y'all like going to a Chinese buffet? 
and you eat like 15 plates, and you go home, and you're like, what's in the cupboards? Dude, I just ate 15 plates of food. I shouldn't have to get in my cupboards for like 15 days. Right? But really, in reality, what we're doing is we're probably eating the wrong food. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, he said, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. He had a lot of conversations around a table and talking about food because these are everyday things that every person, no matter how old or young they are, no matter what they look like, they all experience things around the table and over food, right? One of my favorite moments, um, <laughs> it happened just um, over the quarantine. Cassie was um, finishing up a class, a clinical class, and she had to pretend that her dad was a geriatric patient, and she had to try and feed him applesauce. And he had to pretend like he had, he didn't have a lot of control of himself. <laughs> and if you know Mr. Franklin, I can let you imagine what that moment was like. But it is a moment that I will cherish, like watching this moment that happened at a table. And there are moments that we get to cherish at a table. I could tell you many that I've had over the table, some with my grandma, some with uh, conversations that have happened. But I want to I ask you, um, what are you hungry for? Did I spark any stimulation for what you're going to have after church? Anybody got livers um, set out to make? Human, yes! <laughs> you're going to run home and watch fried green tomatoes because the secret's in the sauce, right? <laughs> yeah the only movie I know about them eating humans. I think there was another one about an airplane. There you go. Okay. I think, I think we may or may not have seen that. Anyway, off topic. Let's dive back in. <laughs> so can you get hungry? Can you wake up in the middle of the night hungry? After, right after you finish that 15-plate buffet of Chinese food, can you go home hungry? I usually do. <laughs> Can you get hungry just by watching a cooking show? You're like, oh, that looks so good. Can you get hungry when your um, girlfriend or boyfriend changes their Facebook status to, it's complicated? When they change their status, Frank, you're not from that generation. When they say it's complicated, that, mean, that means you may have some issues. <laughs> Better yet... <laughs> When you're full with your dinner, do you have Emily's problem and you still have that secret spot for ice cream that's like the whole size of your stomach? Can you still be hungry for the ice cream after you're full of the meal? You can get hungry. <laughs> can you make yourself hungry if you've just eaten and your friend that you haven't seen in 10 years calls out of the blue and is like, hey, I'm in town for like 20 minutes. You want to go share a meal? And you're like, yes. And then you get there and they take you to a Chinese buffet and you've got to eat 15 plates. One day I made a mistake and um, I scheduled two lunch meetings in one day and that was an interesting day. But studies prove that when we get hungry, we, um, we do this to do a few things. We're looking to satisfy an appetite, right? We're looking to soothe our emotions. That's that Facebook status change. Um, we do it to celebrate victories. Yay, I just won the Super Bowl that I've never played. We're going to go out and get pizza. 
or with cultural moments. Do you all know what comfort food is? Do you have a comfort food? Everything on the screen. Okay, so broccoli, Chinese food, steak, looks pretty good. Um, so my comfort food used to be chicken pot pie. And so my kids would know that if mom had a bad day at work, chicken pot pie was going in the oven. I'd be like, mmm, steer clear of her. <laughs> it was warm and yummy, and it felt like everything in life, the yuck just melted away. I don't really know what it is. It probably is McDonald's, which, you know, that is, I probably would be voted off the island for saying that, but it is what it is. You all have a go-to celebratory dessert that you do? Anybody? Any celebration dessert that you have? Brownies? Cheesecake? We like Park Circle Creamery, whoever just said that. Huh? Ooh, ooh. I don't know what you said. It's okay. Oh, I've... I've sounds amazing. You'll have to invite me over. So when we take communion, do you, pr do you prefer bread or crackers? Crackers. I prefer the bread. So why do we eat? This is where this slide comes in. We eat out of habit. We get on a routine. Uh, we eat out of boredom or out of cravings. Uh, the first is habit. Um, we get hungry because our bodies get on a rhythm. You know, we need to eat every so many hours, and they tell us that's how we keep our metabolism going. This, my friends, is what I call a space for our veggie cravers. Until last night, I had never heard of anybody who craved vegetables. People crave vegetables? What? I thought people only ate vegetables because your mama told you that you had to eat them with every meal. You needed a serving every time, and they were good for you. So you walk down through the grocery store and you're like, oh, I got a meat and I got a side. I better get a veggie. Like you go to the grocery store with Lainey. She's like, definitely need something healthy to give them in that buggy. <laughs> yeah. But potatoes and mac and cheese are not veggies in case you needed to know that. I learned that recently. We eat veggies out of requirement oftentimes and not out of want, out of habit and I know this feels like, um, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I promise. When I think of veggies, I think of something that we have to eat. And I picked broccoli because Emily, when she was young, she would sit in the high chair and she'd say, I do not like broccoli, Mommy. I do not like it. And we would force her to eat it because it was good for her. And sometimes in life, we eat because we think it's good for us. You all ever feel like you do things because people tell you it's good for you? You're like, this is what you have to do. In the world, we can see this as uh, doing the right thing. Any, you know, anybody know anyone trying to do the right thing in life right now? Doing the right thing. John Wesley, who is the founder of our denomination, said, by the world standards, people who do the right thing are people that we call happy. They do no harm, they strive to do good, and they keep the tenets of grace by living with charity and going to church, and yet withholding just these standards without a deep depth in their relationship with God, they do this out of routine and they're malnourished. And we have a daughter who is vegan, and she only eats vegetables, and when she first started this journey, it was hard for us to 
um, figure out how to feed her well. And so we noticed that st things started happening. She was losing weight. Um, she started, like, we noticed that she was losing some hair in the bathroom and things like that. And we had to realize that she needed more vegetables because even though she was just eating vegetables, she was eating the wrong vegetables and she didn't have any vitamins. And so we had to learn how to feed her and nourish her and not out of routine, but with vitamins and things that are important. And sometimes when we do things out of routine, we miss what's important. Broccoli is good, but you need other good things too. And relationship is necessary when you're feeding yourself with God. Sometimes we get hungry because we're bored. Anybody experience that with quarantine? We're like, whoop. It's been 30 minutes since I ate. I think I'll check the cupboards again. <laughs> or we're longing for something. We eat many different things looking for satisfaction. This is what I call the Chinese food thing where five or 15 plates and then 30 minutes later you're still hungry. Um, this comes when we're looking for filling but not nourishment. It's that afternoon snack for kids where you're like, this will hold me over until it's time to eat because we don't really look for it to fill us up. Did you know in Haiti that they actually make cookies out of dirt to feed their children between meals so that they don't feel the hunger pangs? They feed their kids dirt because they can only feed them really one meal a day. Because they're trying to, to keep them <laughs> from feeling something. We all have some dirt that we eat. What do you think that you eat that's like dirt? may not be physical dirt, but we have things that kill our hunger pangs too. A lot of times dirt looks like, you ready for this? It looks like lovers. looks like video games. looks like going out to the club, buffet lines, bougie coffee, shopping sprees, bad relationships, alcohol, and even drugs. I've done a lot of all of these things. I've tried to fill myself up with all of these things while I was looking because I was bored and looking to be full. Whatever we eat, we're longing for satisfaction, and that becomes a vacuum, and we need to spend more money. That's why credit card debt is so high, because we got to buy more things to impress more people that we don't really like. Or we go out and we stay out later, we get more intoxicated. I remember one night when I was um, doing less than favorable things, and getting home the next morning and waking up, and I still had my clothes and my shoes and my glasses on. And I don't know anything about the night before. But I needed so bad to be filled up in that moment because I didn't want to worry or think about what I was really hungry for. And I was looking for God. I was desperately looking for God. I remember one night at the same um, place where I used to go out to... Um, there was a girl there, and I, I shared this, I don't think I've shared this recently, but there was a girl there, and Mark and I had witnessed her um, husband take his life or in the middle of the night as they, he went to confront her at a different um, bar, and um, she was drowning herself. She was high, and she was just sitting at the bar, and I remember walking up <laughs> and taking a few shots of my own poison and saying, I've been praying for you. You know, Jesus is here with you. And in that moment, it was like, what are 
you doing? You're just as drunk as she is. But in that moment, I knew what my soul was longing for. And God was trying to use me in that moment to speak to her. Because when our souls are longing and we're just bored feeling, if somebody has planted seeds to tell us what we really are hungry for, then we share that. Have you all ever experienced that? Where you get in moments and you're like, oh, we need to pray about that. And you're like, I would never pray about that in my own life. Why did I just tell you to pray? Hmm, interesting. Chinese food type longings are these places where we're hungry to be filled for the moment, but we're not looking for nourishment. They're places where we end up, places where we walk in a fog often. We're just trying to be full, trying to be full, trying to be full, looking for the next opportunity. And the last way that, uh, or reason that we eat is for a longing, for that steak. Y'all have places that you choose to go every year for your birthday? They're like, oh, your birthday's coming up. Where do you want to go for dinner? Those, that's the time when you like to choose where you're eating, right? You're like, we have a list. Um, so if we're going to have steak, we prefer Longhorn. If uh, we're going to have soul food, we prefer Nigel's. If we're going to have seafood, we prefer Pages. If we're going to have Cajun, we prefer this um, great little restaurant. It's in Knightsville. It's called the Cavaliers. Um, these places uh, change <laughs> based on experiences. But we used to have a burger place on our list. And after we've um, eaten there a few times, if the service stinks or it doesn't fill our craving, like maybe the food changed, they changed the seasonings on something, it quickly stops becoming a craving, right? You're like, you know, I don't, I don't need a burger from there anymore. It, we see that craving become quelched. We're like, I don't even want to go there anymore. That is off my list. Y'all ever said that? If you didn't know, um, Jeremiah likes to try different restaurants, and he does a very good job of deciding if they're good or not. And I'm sure there have been a few that you have taken off your list, right, because the cravings have died, because they just don't measure up anymore, right? Woo-woo, don't know where that is, but I won't go there. <laughs> but cravings develop inside of us. Listen to me. Cravings develop inside of us because we know what we get. The psalmist said, taste and see that the Lord is good. He encouraged people to encounter God so that we would crave him because we find out he's good. It's like having the best cup of coffee, which if you've been in the creek, the best cup of coffee is bald monkey, in my opinion. So, so it's going there and craving that coffee. It's going there and saying, this is what I'm looking for. You know what you get. And the psalmist is saying, learn that what you get when you encounter God is good. Always good. That we could be in a moment and say, if you want my heart, you got it. Because I know that you're good. I could really want this space in my life to be just about me. But God, you're good. So why wouldn't I give this part of me to you? Because I trust that you are good. Y'all know um, when Thanksgiving comes around, what you really hope your mama cooks? Or what you really hope somebody who's coming doesn't bring? I really hope Aunt Sally doesn't bring that stuffing. Like, ways it done. 
<laughs> when we taste and see that God is good, we can watch that we can be satisfied. And hunger is this natural thing that we have. And I believe that Jesus talks about this because he wants us to connect the kingdom with what we encounter every day. He didn't make this kingdom about, like, let's be real. People that Jesus was hanging out with on the mountainside, they didn't live in a, in a palace. They'd probably never been inside of a palace. So they'd never been to a king's table. So he wasn't like, oh, the kingdom is only the finest, jewel, the, the finest forks and spoons. You can only encounter the kingdom if you're sitting at a table with gold spoons. No, he said, the kingdom comes when you hunger and thirst for something. We all do this. We all can encounter this. We all can see this, that hunger is natural. And then Jesus goes on, um, like I shared last week, the Sermon on the Mount lasts a couple chapters. It's from chapters 5 through chapter 7. I would encourage you to spend some time just reading through it. If you go a little further in Matthew chapter 6, we see this moment where Jesus starts talking about what people are hungry for. And you know what people are hungry for in our culture, right? Food and what they look like. What people think of them. They're looking to be satisfied by the words of others. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 25, he said, I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or even clothes to wear. Isn't life about more than food and your body more than clothing? Jesus is saying, I tell you not to worry about everyday life. And people in the culture around us, if we said, Jesus don't care what you wear, they'd be like, what are you talking about? You ever said that to somebody? They'd say, I don't have the right clothes to come to church. Like, he don't care what you wear. You go to the wrong church because, you know, every other church I've been said that I've got to have on a dress. I've got to have one of them hats. I've got to make sure that I'm wearing my best. But Jesus don't care about what you wear because that's what the Bible says, Right? Is that what the word of God says right here? Don't care about enough or whether you have enough clothes to wear. Isn't your body more than clothing? Remember this kingdom that he's trying to show us is going to shift our lives so much that we think different. It's going to get us out of the box so much that we just don't understand sometimes. We have to reconsider everything. What is important to us? Is it whether we have the right clothes and whether we eat the right things? Or is it about what we are focused on? About the things that are going on around us? In verse 31, he says, Don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat and what will we drink or what are we going to wear? In verse 32, he says, He separates people. He says, These things. The, the worry about what to eat, drink, and wear, they dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows what you need. Do you belong to God, as Nathan was sharing earlier? Your heavenly Father already knows what you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. The world tells us that we need to be hungry for daily satisfaction every day. You know, you get up, how many likes can you get on your whatever social media platform you have? Do whatever feels good. I'm going to speak my mind. 
You see that going around? I watched a pastor the other day, and I'm not one that's going to degrade other pastors, but I watched a pastor say, I'm really struggling with this um, Floyd thing. He said, I minister his words. I minister to coloreds every day. And I have police folk who are my friends. Be careful what side you stand on. That was the moment where you should have just kept your mouth shut. You don't have to put your two cents in because you feel like you need to be heard, right? Who are you going to hurt by using words that are not correct and by showing them how you really don't love them? We're going to love people well. We're not going to get up every day and look to be fed by what feels good in the moment. Because I can spout off and tell you how I really feel. Or I can smile and step back and say, is this really what Jesus would want me to say? Is this what my image should look like? Is this the face that I want the body of Christ that I represent to have? Right? Do what feels good. But Jesus said here, and this is the fight that we talked about last week. Every week we're going to see this fight There's a hunger for daily satisfaction that Jesus is talking about. And he's saying that we need to be hungry for righteousness. We need to be hungry and focused on the kingdom. Because that's where righteousness is. That's where we stand together. And we say, I am thankful that I love people of every color. I'm thankful that I get to worship with them I'm thankful that I serve alongside and that our hearts are knit together. I'm thankful that our family of God looks like what heaven's going to look like. There are people of every different shade that God created. And I am thankful that we know police officers who are both good and bad. And we can pray for them equally, that they will be safe and they will be filled with justice. Because that's what they took the honor to do, right? We need to call out what they're called to do. Because that's what the kingdom is about. This is the battle. I'm not going to be satisfied by spouting off, well, blah, blah, blah. I don't have a a horse in the fight. But I have a voice of reason that can point to the kingdom. Which says prayer and peace is the way of my Jesus. Is that the way of your Jesus? Is that the righteousness that we're talking about that he's... He's chasing us towards. So what does it mean for us to not focus on food and clothes? Sorry, I got a little bit ahead of myself, but man, God is good at showing us what we need to remember. It probably means we need to stop making excuses. You all ever make excuses when you feel like God tells you to do something for the kingdom? Oh, I'll get to that next week. This week I got to take care of this and this and I got to do this. That just happened to to me. No. Everyday life stuff is what Jesus is saying. We say, I got to take care of my everyday life before I get to the kingdom. And Jesus is like, just let the everyday life stuff wait. Focus on me. And when you come around, that stuff's going to be taken care of. You're going to be like, oh, I don't even have 
have to worry about that. I am so thankful I didn't have to do the dishes. Did you know I hate doing dishes? Look at that. God is so faithful. When we have an appetite, which is being hungry, what Jesus, I think, is saying is that when we have an appetite, when we're hungry, we see this in the world called by worry and obsession, right? People that are hungry, they have that appetite, they're, they're obsessed with things. They're like, I noticed, just being real, you know, you have that thing on your phone that shows up how many times or how much time you spend on your phone. COVID did not do me any favors at all. That phone's going in a lockbox, not being used at all. <laughs> but I noticed that my appetite changed because I had taken my eyes off of Jesus. And this week, God reminded me of that. I've had an, a really interesting week where he's reminded me of what I worry about and obsess about. And we need that. We need to be reminded of that. When we're obsessed about something, we ask questions like, what are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? Who are we going to call? And we look to be satisfied. It's natural to want to be satisfied, right? We want to be filled. We want to be satisfied. But the things that we're hungry for may not be satisfied. They may not fill us up. Jesus said, stop wasting your appetite here and focus on the kingdom. A lot of times we have spiritual struggles that come when you say yes to Jesus. Have you all experienced that in your life? As you say yes and you start walking, you're like, oh, I really want to focus on Jesus. And you're like, I have no idea what just happened, but for some reason Jesus is over there and I'm way over here and I don't know how to get back there. And we get lost, right? Have you ever experienced that? You're like, this spiritual struggle is like so big. I just can't figure out how to get back there. And that spiritual struggle is like a merry-go-round. We find ourselves stuck in it. And what Jesus is saying is, keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. I am the righteousness. I am the one. But the world tells us, it's too hard to focus on Jesus. You have better things to do with your time. It also says that Jesus' way is too soft. You ever heard that? All you Christians are pansies. We need structure. We're going to take charge. Don't you want to go in and tell them how it should be? Did you know in Acts, when Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven to be with God, everybody sits on the edge and they're like, and when you come back, we're taking over Rome, right? He's like, no, you got it all wrong. I'm sending you out. You're going to go be my witnesses. You're what? You want us to be what? <laughs> He's like, in this moment, I want you to say that you're going to carry the kingdom. I'm not going to save you from Rome. You are the kingdom. Jesus wants us to long for him so much that if we will stop and listen to what we're really hungry for, if we'll stop and listen to what we're really hungry for, then we can understand where we are. So um, what is righteousness? I'm going to run through the rest of this a little bit more quickly. Righteousness. This is what God showed me this week. Um, the psalmist and Paul remind us that no one is righteous, no, not one, right? 
Anybody in here righteous? You wake up this morning, you're like, I am so righteous. I am holy. I am so good. Um, so we, we learn that no one should satisfy us because if no one is righteous and we're supposed to hunger and thirst for righteousness, no one can satisfy that, right? Do you see that correlation? Nobody's righteous, so we can't hung, find that completion or satisfaction in someone else. So when uh, Renee Zellweger said in Jerry Maguire, you complete me, she so lied. She didn't get it. <laughs> Righteousness isn't found in a person, but it's actually found in a covering. And this is what God showed me this week. Some people have said that righteousness is about doing the right thing because righteousness means to be in right standing. But what it really proves is righteousness isn't about doing the right thing because then we could earn our way to God and we wouldn't need Jesus. And we need Jesus, right? We learned that last week. We need Jesus. So righteousness is like an umbrella that covers us. And so what Jesus wants us to do is, I, I don't believe in bad luck, so. <laughs> um, righteousness is like the umbrella that covers us. And Jesus is saying, I want you to be so hungry and thirsty that you want to be under my umbrella. Be with me. I want you to, to want to be so intimate with me that you know that I'm covering you so that no matter where you are, you know that you're good. You good? Brandon, you having a good day? Could you come here for just a second? I know, yeah. Yeah. Brandon, I know that in life you struggle a little bit, but I would like to share um, this really cool thing. It covers me when I have a bad day. Um, so I'd like to cover you with the righteousness of God and pray with you. Will that be okay? So this is what we get to do in life. We get to say, hey, I'd like to share the righteousness of God with you. Dear Jesus, be with my friend, Brandon, and I pray that you would just remind him that you cover him, even in hard days and in good days. Amen. You're good. Aren't you covered? Don't you feel better? Awesome. Yeah, this is, this is amazing. Amazing. <laughs> I even... Um, went so far as looking at the words of Rihanna's song. They're not, they're not too bad, but she is not sermon-worthy yet. <laughs> when we see righteousness as an umbrella, and we have bad days. Anybody have a bad day this week? My week was crazy! Then we can remember to take our umbrella with us. My mom always said you should have an umbrella in your car. Today I didn't have an umbrella in my car. We can always take Jesus with us. We can use or carry him with us everywhere we go because the righteousness is a covering. It keeps us from feeling miserable and empty and unsatisfied. Any of you feel like that if you walk through the rain without an umbrella? You feel soggy? That is miserable. Matthew 5, 6. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I think that what he is saying here is God blesses those who long to be covered by Jesus. And for, for they shall be satisfied. Have you ever met a person who exuded peace in the middle of their life being full of chaos? I had a woman, a friend of mine who, um, she had cancer. When I met her, um, she was 30 and she had stage 4 colon cancer. And I knew her diagnosis and her medication list and her name before I'd ever seen her face. And I had been praying for her. And she was coming on a weekend retreat that I was going to be on. And so when I saw her, I was like, 
this can't be the lady who is dying because her countenance was beautiful. She just carried herself in such a way. She was so peace-filled and holy-looking, like she carried the radiance of Christ with her. Um, her name is Kristen, and um, that was probably 12, 13 years ago because I walked with her for a couple years before we moved here, but um, she has been cancer-free for five years. But I remember, like, every time she had a moment where she had a radiation treatment where they put a radioactive device inside of her, and she had to lay there for, like, 48 hours, and she would put out these messages, I am so thankful that God is with me, and I'd be like, dude, there is no way somebody can be filled with joy in the moment that she was in, but she radiated this ability to be satisfied by God, this ability to move in this and Paul talks about this in Philippians 4. It starts in verse 11. He says, I have learned how to be content or satisfied with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, in plenty or in little. These are everyday life things, right? For I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. I believe what Jesus is saying here is that God blesses us when we long to be covered by Jesus. And when we realize that no matter what our day holds, that they, we are covered. Anybody need that? Anybody need that covering? You need to carry that umbrella with you to remember? As we uh, close, team, I'm ready for you all. Um, I watched God change my perspective about this teaching this week. Um, you all have people you call when somebody upsets you, like you get in a tiff with your spouse, you have that person, that listening ear, and they're, they're like, yeah, you did the right thing. Let's go bury him in the backyard. We're on your side. <laughs> Not really bury him in the backyard, but we're on your side. Like you have those friends that you call, they always encourage you, but really they're people that you ride on the merry-go-round of emotions with. So I have a few of those if I'm being real, and um, on Tuesday, Tuesday was a day where it was just like everything went wrong, and I just felt like the weight of the world was on me, so I, I called one of the people that is one of my go-tos, and I was waiting, um, so they, they um, showed up, and we were having a conversation, and they refused to let me speak, like completely derailed me, didn't let me talk at all, look at your neighbor and say, how rude, how rude, they won't let me talk at all, and so they left, and I was like, God, why didn't they let me speak? I needed to get this off my chest. And he was like, this week, I want you to hunger and thirst for me. I was like, hmm. He was like, you're going to preach about it. You're going to do it. Okay, God. He was like, so you're not going to talk to anybody but me this week. I mean, you're going to talk to people, but, you know, you're not going to look for anybody else to feed you that affection this week. And I was like, huh. So Wednesday was a whiz-banger of a day. If I thought Tuesday was fantastic, Wednesday was even more fantastic. The only person I talked to was God. At one point, I sat in my car on Wednesday in the parking lot out here, and I said, God, I have no one to talk to. And he said, duh, that's what I've been trying to get you to hear. He said, are you ready to listen to me? Yeah. We need those dumb moments when our stomachs are so hungry 
to hear somebody talk to us, but we don't know what to do. Thursday, I woke up, and um, God began to fill my head with the truth about the conversations that I was frustrated with on Tuesday. And reconciliation started happening. Things started unraveling. My anger got better. And I wasn't on the merry-go-round. I was cool, calm, collected. I had more grace to share than... A lot of people don't know that pastors really struggle to live life all put together. You know, we, we, we manage our words well. But we're human. Our battle's often unseen. We pray it out and scream it out in our cars and in our prayer closets. I didn't have to pray or scream on Thursday because I was under the umbrella with Jesus. Like really under the umbrella with Jesus. And it was crazy. Like I had one conversation and I don't even remember typing the text. And then when I read it, I was like, that's good. <laughs> that's real good. <laughs> I really like that. Send. <laughs> no, even, no, I didn't even have to edit that one. Oftentimes we talk to people, we get fed to fill us up, but not satisfy us. But God wants to satisfy us. He wants to fill us up when we focus on the kingdom. He wants us to uh, remember that we're covered. He doesn't want us to be coddled. Because who grows when you're coddled? Nobody. Y'all know those 30-year-old men and women who still act like three-year-olds? They coddled by their mamas. We don't grow if we're coddled, but we grow when we're covered and when we trust who, who we're with. I can do anything with Jesus. I can't do a lot by myself. So as we close, I want to ask you to think of just one instance where maybe you have a person like I do that you ride the merry-go-round with. Do you all have anybody? You have people that you call that you know they're going to be on your side? They're like, that's my girl. That's my guy. He's in my corner all the time. People that you pour your guts out to, they keep your secrets. You got the, that private, like, I language with. You don't have to say anything, but they know what you're thinking. I want you this week, instead of picking up your phone to call them, I want you instead to just take a moment and ask Jesus to step in there. God, I don't want to let so-and-so be the person that I'm seeking wisdom from, that I'm riding the merry-go-round with. I just want you to step in. And what would happen? What would happen if we really hungered and thirsted for him? The words of David, Psalms 42, verses 1 and 2, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O Lord. I thirst for God, the living God. When I can go, where can I go? and stand before him. Anyone else find their souls thirsty for some righteousness today? I just want to be in his presence. As we, the worship team um, comes, we're going to close our service with the Lord's Prayer.
just like we talked about, that Jesus summed up the Beatitudes with the Lord's Prayer to remind us that we need this. We need repetition. We need something quick, tangible, and easy that we can grasp onto. So this week, um, the Lord's Prayer, the part that, that connects with today is three little words. Your kingdom come. We hunger and thirst for righteousness when we want his kingdom to come. And we're satisfied when it starts to happen. So will you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Lord, be with us while we worship. Amen. still the rage in me to still every way at your name Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus you silence fear Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble the dark. 
craving to taste and see that you are good, that we would watch you show up, give us clarity, bring peace and reconciliation because you are a good, good father. So Lord, be with our family in our comings and our goings, and we give you all the praise for what you're doing. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Family, thanks for worshiping with us today. We can't